0: reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth and if we can align with God's reality we will finally be living by reality. I'm going to read a scripture um, and then and then we want to invite the Holy Spirit just to do something um, right now. In fact, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do then I'll read the scripture. Um, you know people mean different things when they say meditation. And in fact, there are, form, you know, Eastern meditation or New Age, New Age meditation is emptying, is, uh, I don't know, trying not to think of anything. Whenever I try to do that, I hurt myself. It doesn't work. I just think of everything I'm worried about or something. Um, that's not this. You know, um, uh, c- Christian or biblical meditation is filling yourself with the things of God, which is an invitation to the Holy Spirit to fill you with truth. Now, let me read the scripture. This is 2 Timothy 2, um, 11 through 13. It says, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Actually, I'm going to stop right there. Now, this is what I want to do. Just allow yourself to relax. You know, the presence of God is, is here. The presence of God came with you, even if you were late or too busy to know that the presence of God was with you. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And this just said, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. And so, um, Lord, I ask you to make your presence really real to to us, your chosen people, your bride right now. And and I'm, I'm just gonna leave you a minute to meditate on that. It's, it's, in other words here's what's here's what to meditate on okay your destiny is to reign with him you are chosen to have the authority and the reign of God upon you. You are chosen to have the authority of royalty. Thank you, Jesus. Now just say this with me. I'm chosen to reign. <laughs> I'm made for this. Okay, all right. Whew, maybe we should just do that the whole time. You want to just have a meditation the whole time? <laughs> I can just start reading somewhere else. And, um we're, st- we're still going to be talking about warfare this morning, but, um, oh yeah, <laughs> thank you, give me five. got to keep me on track, you know, I'll just, um, Father God, we ask a blessing on our children. Um, be blessed, and kids, you're dismissed. <laughs> Okay. All right. So I feel like I have something here. Now it's all going wrong. Okay. This is blessed. So we're still talking in, um, in the fact that we're in a war, right? Two kingdoms that war against each other. And fortunately you're right in the center of it. Why? Because you're, you're, you are the chosen manner that God plans on winning the war. (laughs) That's, that's you. He decided, um, I'm not even going to suppose why, actually I know why it's love. He loves you that much, so he decided that the way he's going to win and the way his kingdom advances and the way the ultimate victory comes is going to be through his people that hold the dominion. That's love. Hopefully it looks like love. If you're right in the heat of warfare, it may not feel all that loving sometimes, but that is love. In other words, he believes in you that much, your new man. As you're filled with the Spirit, um, as his beloved, filled with the Spirit, he believes in you that much. He's entrusted that to you. Does that make you feel loved? Okay. Good. Good. Now today, um, and I think I promised this last week, I I want this to be really practical. We're going to talk about obedience And um, go ahead, I don't, the word just kind of makes you go, unless you understand it in love. And that's why we started, I believe that's why the Lord prompted me to begin like I just did during worship he prompted me to do that because if we move forward and talk about obedience and look at the things we're about to look at, it'll, it could lead us to a misinterpretation where we think the Lord's interested in being like a taskmaster or he's disappointed with us, like just horribly disappointed with us when we fail or that kind of thing. And the truth is we're going to look at the fact that obedience, first of all, what do we say? Obedience is the fruit. The fruit of what? Y'all got it? It's the fruit of faith in our heart, okay? Faithlessness has the fruit of disobedience. Obedience is not something you can conjure. <laughs> Thank God, really. It's not a performance that you can manage, manage to do. Is that right? It's the fruit of a heart that, that has faith in God instead of some other idol or some other thing that we put our trust in will cause disobedience, right? And we're going to look at some of that. Um, I want to read, in order to get there, um, turn with me to Ephesians 6, and I'm just going to use this too as a little bit of introduction. Ephesians 6, I didn't give you a verse. Verse 10, that's a warfare verse. And it says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, it's two different things. Being strong in the Lord is that faith in the heart that causes the fruit of obedience thing. That's strong in the Lord. My faith is completely in the Lord, right? And in the power of his might is a whole other thing. It is actually two different things. The power of his might is what we've been talking about. Your power is worked out in intimacy as we walk with him, right? And you are made for power, right? You're made to reign with him. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategies of the devil or the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Okay? Now, listen, we, you've heard that before. That's, I know for, at least for most of you, that scripture is not a new one. You've heard it before. You've probably even meditated on it before. And it's telling us that we're in a warfare in the spiritual realm, in the spirit. And, and the moment you became a new creation, you became one here for the glory of God that bridges between two realms, a physical one and a spiritual realm. Now, here's why I'm starting here. Um, I think that we're bad at translating it into reality. I think that we're bad, and I include myself, I think we're bad at living in reality. How many of you had some things happen this week? (laughs) Have you ever, so we can all relate, right? I appreciate that giggle. Do you ever have a week when you don't have some things happen? Do you ever have a week where you've had some things happen, but you've not done a very good job of translating the spiritual reality in those things that happened? Okay. Do we spend time realizing that what this scripture says is that we are actually in a spiritual reality that's manifesting in the physical? You got it? And one thing we talk about here all the time is that the Old Testament is a physical picture of the spiritual reality that we're called to, right? So I bring that out because this morning we're going to read a story of a king, King Saul, Um, In fact, we're going to read about right towards the end of his reign as king. And it's very important to know that um, as we read about him, we're talking about you. Why can I say that? It's a physical picture of a spiritual reality, and you're made to do what? Thank you. Somebody's got to to reign with him. You're made for this. So as we read about... (laughs) You got your coffee as we read about king saul we 're reading about you we 're looking at a picture of how God wants you to see it, and we 're going to see some things um, about obedience now i 'm going to put this out there just recently, and then we 're going to jump in okay and in fact, if you want to start turning there it 's first samuel fifteen we 're going to be in the whole chapter i 'm actually going to try to do. A whole chapter we 'll just see we 're going to need a miracle, Lord bless it, and we 're just going to go through this because it 's so good, um, but recently, I had the privilege of visiting with someone who 's been a prophet and a mentor in my life for like i think like twenty five years now is a pretty good guess and um, she 's the kind of person that when she says something i 'm usually left with like a huh hmm, i don 't even know what that means and i 'm a little kind of like but I've also decided a long time ago that when she says something and the spirit in me's quickened, I'm like, "Wow, well, I'm going to pray about that. I don't even know. And one of the things um, she mentioned was that we're headed into a big time of change, which you've heard me say that. Um, you know, I believe that too. Things are about to change. I don't know if that means next year or in, you know, 10 years for your kids or I just know it's about to change and the Lord is preparing us for big change. And what she said was, um, is the Lord is quickening her about eyes to see and ears to hear. Now, I want you to see we're talking about the same thing. You know what I, and that's what I kind of left going, huh? Like, I need to pray about this. Lord, give me a revelation, eyes to see and ears to hear. What really are you saying in that? And I believe that that is the translation between seeing the spiritual in what's going on in the physical. In your life, okay? What's manifesting? Can you see it? It is happening. You don't have a week where nothing is happening. (laughs) And God is crazy in love with you, so the things that are happening are toward your destiny. It is the love of a good father bringing you into the fullness of who he's planned you to be. So these are spiritual things. The the question is not, are they happening? The question is, do we have eyes to see? Are we translating? Do do we have ears to hear what's going on? Okay, is this this good? I'm getting some stares. Am I losing you? Okay, good. Okay, so we're going to read about... um, Saul. And what I want to tell you as we enter into this, we're going to read about um, people. There's going to be Samuel, Samuel the prophet. You might think of him as like Saul's pastor. (laughs) Samuel the prophet. And I want you to know that what we're talking about is there's a heart there. Samuel has a particular heart and we're going to read about it. And then we're going to read about Saul. He's the king, right? And there's a particular heart there and we're going to read about it. we're not going to see it this morning, but in the bigger story, you'd be reading about David, and there's a heart there. And when you read in the Word of God, you're reading about God's love for these hearts, exactly where these hearts are, okay? This is towards the end of Saul's reign. In fact, we're going to read the words of God saying this is coming to an end. But what I want you to know, I just would be amiss if I didn't say this, Saul's reign actually ended before this. Now, as I read on, you're going to go, well, that doesn't make sense because we're reading it. Saul's still reigning. We're reading about it. But when does Saul's reign actually end? Okay, because he disobeyed. But Huh? What are you saying? When David's anointed. And, and that, that's all correct. That's all right. Um, I just want to say, like, if you go back to chapter 13, the Lord has already spoken that this is done. You can go read it for yourself. And when is it true in your life? When the Lord speaks it, right? We're in the process of working it out. We're in the process of coming into that power, into that spoken word that he's already spoken. We're in a process, but the moment he speaks it, and how many promises do you have in Jesus? That are already spoken. Okay? So you're in a process of getting there, but it's already done, right? But we're going to read, it's still working itself out in the physical. So um, I'm going to start reading in verse 1 here. It says Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord has sent me to anoint you king over his people. Now he's talking about the past. The Lord had me do this, anoint you over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way and when he came up from Egypt. Now go, now listen, here's commands, and this is warfare. We're about to read, this is the physical picture of your spiritual life, okay? Track with me. This is warfare. They're, They're looking to take Territory in obedience to the commands of the Lord. In the Great Commission, what does it say? It says, make disciples, what? Obedience. Teaching them all the things I've commanded you. So we're talking about obedience, okay? But we're going to frame this in love so we get it right. All the, here's the command, okay? Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. And do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. This is the word of the Lord coming to him. Now, what you have to understand is there's plenty of places in the story where, the, where they're going forward and they're taking territory from the enemy and the Lord says, the plunder is yours. You could read this like he's against wealth. Or something, But he's not. That's actually how they became wealthy as they conquered the promised land so God could establish rest and power on his chosen people. They took plunder <laughs> in obedience to the Lord. But here he says, what does he say? Utterly destroy all that they have. Now don't forget, we're reading about you. Okay, as we read about the rain here that we're reading about your life, you are to be coming into a reigning, and he has commands like this in your life where he's saying, take this territory, but don't partake in the things of the world that come with it. Not in this case. Okay, I'm going to read on. Verse 4, I'm at, I believe. Yes. Yes. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them into lame 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, so here we're going to get some mercy on some people and just recognize this part's not disobedience. I'm just going to make it fast so we don't stall around. This is not the people of Amalek. So this is not the disobedience. It says, go depart Get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. Good so far, right? The Lord said, go up, (laughs) and they went up and got a great victory. Okay? It always goes that way for me. I'm kidding. Uh, verse 8, um, and now, now listen to these words. I'm going to slow down. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. And somebody say, whoops, yeah. whoops, right? And um, I just want you to start thinking. This does relate to your life. We're reading about you. What did he spare? He spared the leader of, right? The leader of. That's a big whoops. Do you think God, well, we won't even go there now. We won't go there. And utterly destroyed all the people. Okay, he was supposed to utterly destroy the people, right? That's pretty brutal. Now, now recognize this represents your spiritual war. You have territory to take, and there are things to utterly, relentlessly destroy. What does the Word of God say? the The kingdom of God is taken by violent men, or forceful men, people violent enough that you're utterly, you, you you are, desirous and capable of utterly destroying the things of the world that are in the way. You're moving forward without the plunder. Okay, all right, let's read on. It goes on, verse 9, But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were, and, um, were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Yet it. What did they do? They do. They kept, they kept the good stuff. They were like, well, this this could be useful. This is pretty good. Now there are some evil things here, and there are some things that aren't so good. And we'll destroy those, and and we'll keep this stuff of the worlds, and we'll we'll take that with us as we advance this kingdom of the Lord. Right? We'll keep that. I'm sure you can already see where we're going, but I'm going to show you some amazing things in the Word of God. We're going to make this so practical it's painful. And, and let us be clear, we're reading about actions at the moment, right? Did you hear any words that said that we're specifically, literally speaking about someone's heart yet? No, but are we reading about someone's heart? These are, this is just the fruit. We're just reading the fruit. The actions are just the fruit of the condition of the heart. Where is your faith? Why would you keep things? If they had utter and complete faith, if they had unshakable, unwavering faith in the love of God, his direction, his victory that's coming, would they be tempted to keep anything? Now, the temptation would come. So you're seeing, why is disobedience the fruit of a heart that's lacking faith? or has put faith in something else. Disobedience results because of a faith problem. Okay. Okay, verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, so now the prophet is getting a word of the Lord. I, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Now, we do have to stop here because we we get this so wrong. Have you all ever, as you're reading the story of Saul and David and the conflict that goes on there, have you ever found yourself rooting for David and rooting against Saul? Like almost like you're at a sporting event and Saul's the other team? (laughs) Me too. Does God love Saul? Yeah, what I want you to notice is that it, it doesn't say that he greatly regrets Saul, does it? Now, in fact, he's greatly in love with Saul. He is. What does he greatly regret? It says it in the words. Making him king. Why does he greatly regret making him king? Because it's going to thwart his plans? Because it's going to cause him to fail, to execute. The Lord's going to fail to, to get the victory and execute the plans that he has. Can Saul thwart God? No. no. Then why does he regret making him king? Okay, that's good. I'm going to tell you he regrets making him king because he loves him. <laughs> you see, any good father is all about bringing their children into their destiny. And, and making Saul king ha, is becoming harmful for Saul because of Saul's choices. You see, it's like if I were to prop my, my son, if I were to bring my son into a position, a promotion, a whatever, you name it that I hope is bringing him to his destiny, and ultimately it turns out that like it's harmful in getting him to the fullness of his destiny. A father regrets that. Not because there's a lack of love, but quite on the contrary, because I'm crazy in love with you, Saul. You've been, Saul has been anointed king by Samuel, the prophet of God. It's, it's God's purposeful action because he loves Saul. So it's a very important, that as you as you interpret this word of God, and as you read it as something speaking over your life, that you interpret this way, you you have to interpret for love. It doesn't say he regrets having made Saul, or he regrets the life of Saul. He regrets having made him king, and it's specifically because he loves him. Now look, um, we see this understanding heart, this this loving heart, even in Samuel as we read right into the next verse. Actually, it's still in the same verse. It says, And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. You got it? So Samuel, the, the spiritual director, the, the, um, the pastor, the prophet who serves at the, at the pleasure of Saul, is grieved. Samuel is the one who has the heart of God who values the word of God. We're going to see as we read on, he values the word of God, just period. The word of God is the word of God is the word of God, and it grieves him because he, sh- he feels the heart of God. He feels the heart of God over Saul. Okay. Verse 12, it says, "'So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, "'it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel,' And indeed, he set up a monument for himself and has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. So now remember, I just have to pause for a minute and remind you, we're talking about warfare, um, and we're talking about the spiritual warfare in your life. This is a physical picture of that. Remember that we said it's, it's two kingdoms, a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. What does that mean? It's a kingdom of deception and a kingdom of truth. And so you see here there's darkness. Saul's deceived. He's gone and set up a monument. Okay, verse 13, it goes on and says, Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now think about what you're reading. Here's what happened. Samuel's going to find him to deliver the word of the Lord, and when he shows up, Saul is really proud of what they've accomplished. He's like, blessed are you of the Lord. Man, are you showing up at a great moment. We have just done a great obedience to the Lord, and we won. That's what's going on. <laughs> do you see that? And um, just this week, we just had um, leadership advance. Um, we we speak to our leaders, and we, and we, um, we share heart, and we um, do business things. And one of the things that we do is we honor um, and, and I just felt as I prepared, I felt led to share this. One, one of the ministry, um, two leaders over one ministry that we honored, is a ministry where in human eyes you would look at it and say there were zero results. And we're about to read about results just next, okay? Um, but what I want to tell you is we celebrated, we honored these people because from spiritual eyes, what you see is incredible hearts of obedience. That's it. Just the Lord spoke. We're supposed to because he wants to give us this honor and this privilege. He wants to bless us with this. We're supposed to do this ministry and so we have and they've stayed faithful for an entire year and literally have had zero results. And they still have rejoicing hearts like what a privilege. We've been called to this obedience and we'll keep on. Oh, it's not about the results. That's up to God. That that's how they think. And I'm like, "Wow." I don't know if I've ever seen it look like that before. And we get so results-focused. We think that, like, well, this ministry has um, 65 people coming. This church has exploded into 10,000 people, and all of that's good. The Lord does want us to have results, but let me tell you, that's not chiefly what he's concerned about. He's the Lord of the results. He's looking for um, obedient obedience right? If you love me, what? You'll do what I command, right? But is that a taskmaster? Like, it, it, you know, we, we reverse that. We get that backwards. We think that's saying, if you love me, then prove it. <laughs> we think that's what Jesus is saying, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you love me, the fruit will be that you always do what I command because love explodes like that. Love, love accomplishes like that. Okay, I'm going to keep reading. Now, now keep that result thing in your mind, okay? And I am, help me out. What verse am I on? Church, 14, thank you. And it says, but Samuel said, oh. all right, I'm going to back up. See, so here it is. Verse 13, then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And verse 14, but Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? Now, here's the translating part, okay? Eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, make us a people that have eyes to see and ears to hear as we're in a treacherous war. Now, listen, you have to put yourself, <laughs> you have to put yourself in the scenario. In fact, I, I would ask you this week, go meditate on this. Put yourself in that place and just kind of be there. Let the Holy Spirit take you there and let you experience what it was like. I believe quite literally when Samuel walked up to Saul at this moment, that um, that you can literally, they were in a place where you could literally hear the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen. In fact, I'm going to go and say when the wind was blowing the right direction or or the wrong one, you could smell. The, the disobedience had a smell in the physical. It had a sound. It had a feeling. It, if someone had, you're looking at two guys. One guy has eyes to see, well, in the ears to hear, <laughs> the bleeding of the sheep, the lowing of the oxen, and the other doesn't. In fact, I'm gonna suggest that um Saul at this moment has probably gotten to the point that he doesn't hear it. Have you ever been, you county fair people, I know you have, and have you ever <laughs> have you ever been around a whole bunch of sheep or whatever? They they never stop. Like it's it's ongoing. It's almost like, Whew, you know, when you first get to the county fair, you're thinking it's it's loaded with this animal noise and this smell. And after you're there for about an hour or two They're still doing it, but you're kind of like you don't even hear the sheep anymore. Um, I smell the corn dogs. It's lunchtime now. I I don't smell what really hit me when I got out of the car this morning. You get used to it. And he didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. The obvious physical realities in his life of disobedience were utterly obvious. And the prophet who has eyes to see and ears to hear, the one that is awake to the guiding of the Lord to what is obedience gets out of the car and walk, uh, well gets off the donkey and walks over to Saul and says then why do I hear this bleeding of the sheep I'm completely convinced after spending time with the Lord this week that every single one of us in here has some bleeding of the sheep and we've probably learned to ignore it some words of God have been spoken. How many of you know you've had some words of God spoken over your life? Okay, most of us. Good. Father, I pray that you'll bring an awareness of the words that you're speaking over those who are not aware of those words so they can begin to walk in it in the authority of the name of Jesus. So you've had words spoken. And there's, there, if, unless, well, I'm just going to say for every person in here, there are disobediences. there are things we think we'll take with us even though he said as you walk in obedience you have a high calling, you have a mighty calling and as you walk in obedience towards it we have a tendency to take some things with us that he says utterly destroy that You you don't own the past the blood of Jesus Christ bought your past and you don't get to take it with you and it'll cause disobedience. I didn't say you are disobedient. I said it will cause you to have disobedience that is destiny-stealing. Okay, now what verse am I on? (laughs) Thank you. Oh, and listen to Saul's answer. See, it's just so loaded. This is like the obedience chapter. I said, Lord, give me a freebie. It's been such a busy week. (laughs) Will you just do a download? And then I literally had someone pray for me. She didn't know I'd said those words. And then she prayed that. She said, I'm just going to pray for a download. I was like, yes. (laughs) And then he showed me this obedience chapter. Verse 15 says, and Saul said, now listen to these words. They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we've utterly destroyed. They. (laughs) Oh, the abdication of leadership. The king says they did it. they spared the best of the world's stuff. <laughs> and then did it say there to sacrifice to the Lord your God? What's the justification that, that allows him to be so incredibly deceived? We're going to, Sacrifice to the Lord. Religion. We're going to use this for him. Don't worry. It's okay. We know the Lord said utter, utterly destroy it all and he, that he doesn't want us to have that hindrance upon us and he doesn't want us to execute this disobedience, but it's okay. We got it. We, we have a total plan. They're going to be sacrifice for the Lord. <laughs> We're going to turn it to religion. It's fine. Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. You have to love that. I hope y'all have, I pray that y'all have mentors in your life like that, people that are willing to go, shut up and listen to me, like, like um, if you have that, that is such a gift people of God that when you're being a total idiot like like I am a lot of the time I am I can be so far off in idiot land it's unbelievable and I love that I have people in my life who can go just just shut up and listen to listen to me for a minute what a gift that's Samuel he says shut up and Saul says speak on okay verse 17 so Samuel said Listen, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not, the, did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? See, now let me tell you something. We don't get an anointing. Like, he doesn't give you an anointing that you can own. I got an anointing. That's my anointing. And um, I get to take this and wield it like I want. You don't, you don't get something. What, what does he do? He puts an anointing upon that you walk in. Do you see the difference? He doesn't... Saul was literally anointed king. Now I want you to know, we're still talking about your spiritual reality. Are you anointed king? I hope so, because what we just read in the Word of God is that you, you are destined to reign with him. He is bringing you into a more and more powerful one who reigns with the authority of God. That's anointing. Anointing is not something for the pastor or the worship leader or the children's church leader. Anointing is, is the, the inheritance, the gift of God on every beloved son and daughter in his family. okay that's anointing but it's not something you get that you get to own you don't get anointing you walk in anointing he's speaking of a time he says when come reminisce with me when you were little in your own eyes did you not walk in the anointing and when you became big Did it not dig on your own, in your own strength, your faith in the wrong places? Did it not cause you to go off into disobedience? Verse 18 goes on and says, Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go. And utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? See, that's a heart that's not willing to sacrifice one letter of the word of God. He's going, I don't care how you frame your disobedience, I don't care how you twist it into, it's okay, it'll work out. We're going to turn it into sacrifice for the Lord. I don't care how you frame your disobedience. Didn't the Lord say this? That's winning warfare. Do you know that when your faith is so grounded that your obedience is kind of automatic, that's called winning the war. (laughs) That's the advancement to your destiny. Okay, verse twenty. And Saul said to Samuel, "But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and brought back Agag, king of Amalek." Do you see how deep the darkness can get? I've done it, people. I've I've had, I've had the darkness so deep that I'm just I'm completely blind to my own disobedience. In fact, I'm ever asking the Lord anymore, rooted out of me. I know I still got some more that the Lord needs to deal with, and I'm not even aware of what it is right now. darkness can get really deep. What does Jesus say? When the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? (laughs) And it says, I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, Saul is saying. He says, but the people took the plunder. (laughs) Sheep and oxen and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord. Now listen. To the Lord, your God in Gilgal. Now, I want to show you something I've never seen before, the Lord showed me this week. Do you know how many times you read, like in the Psalms, you read um, David writing, My God, my Lord? Okay? I never noticed this before, but I think it is utterly significant that in this passage, more than once, you see Saul say to Samuel, Your God. And what happened in the garden, right? So now we're going to talk about love. And maybe we're rapping. I think I get to say that a couple of times. <laughs> what happened in the garden? God uh, put, put Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, I give you dominion. What? Your destiny is to reign with me. I give you dominion. Okay? And he sets the, the one tree. He says, but, but not this tree. Right? Why? because he wanted to be a taskmaster and set up an impossible thing an impossible temptation that they couldn't avoid what is it it's love and it's and it's specifically the love of destiny right in other words he's saying why does he prohibit them from that tree well it's bad for your destiny <laughs> you got it? You can do anything else. You can you can partake of all these riches, all this wealth, you love each other, have dominion, do anything you want, but this tree would be really bad for your destiny. <laughs> it Long term, this has actually, short term in this case, it has really adverse effects on coming into the fullness of the dominion holder that I've made you to be, right? And what does Adam say? The woman you gave to be with me, she gave of the tree, and I ate, right? So here's our mode, here's our mode, but here's what I want you to see. The love of God, the love of any good father, is that he wants you to come into the fullness of your destiny. What the word of God tells us is that there is a kingdom of deception of darkness that wants to come against God's plan to bring you into the fullness of who you are. That's what's going on. And obedience is a fruit. It's a fruit of faith. Obedience is the fruit of faith. And it's the way we win the war. It's his love. It's, it, it, it is his stubborn and adamant, unwavering desire. You know, he's crazy about you. He has good plans over you, and he's not willing to sacrifice any of them. He will always and continuously be pursuing you to bring you into the fullness of your power and beauty to glorify him and advance his kingdom because you're made to advance his kingdom, not because he's needy, It's not because he needs you to advance the kingdom for him. In fact, I should read that for you. Let's keep going. Um, Whoops. We'll do it quick. Um, (laughs) Verse 22, so Samuel said, Has the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Now listen, here it is. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Why? Why? We didn't even know what to sacrifice. It's like in this story, okay? Saul, he thought, well, we'll keep the people brought it, and we'll keep the good stuff for the sacrifice, right? Would that have been an honoring sacrifice for the Lord? Did he need that? I think that's, that's, that's religion. Okay, that's the definition of religion. We'll keep doing these sacrifices. I'll have perfect attendance in church and whatever. We don't even know what to sacrifice. You follow? Obedience is what keeps us on the road. He does want us to sacrifice, doesn't he? But what, what's the sacrifice that he wants? Us, right? We are the living sacrifice, Romans chapter 12. And the only way we live as a, as a living sacrifice is, is obedience, because we, we don't even know what, what it is that needs to be sacrificed. We'll sacrifice the wrong thing continually like Saul's doing all right I'm gonna have to I looked out there to see if like the blizzard had already set on and I need to be releasing you guys Or Hmm, that's good we'll have to come back to that but we're gonna skip it for now Um, verse 24 skip to there with me it says then Saul said to Samuel I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. Now, listen, I want you to notice um, something with me here. This looks like repentance, and in fact, there may be some in it. But we're going to find out that he's really not turning from the core of the problem and what's important to recognize is that the fruit of the condition of our heart that we're so focused on all the time in our lives because we just can't help it we're so focused on the fruit of the condition of our heart that we rarely ever actually get to the condition of our heart does anybody know what I'm talking about okay we're gonna we're kind of seeing that here um it sounds like he's begun to repent, but read, read on with me, verse 26. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Listen, does it say that the Lord rejected Saul? No, it doesn't. He, he's crazy about Saul, right? And thank God, because I'm sure that I'm worse than Saul. So he's crazy about Saul. He's rejected Saul as king some of his inheritance in this age, some of his destiny that the Lord had for him in, in this age has been rejected. I think sometimes the message of grace is preached apart from consequences. You do know there are consequences, right? I can remember back when, um, um, in fact, it's not all that hard. I'm still pretty young. I've got to be careful around here. Um, <laughs> when I was a younger man, um, I engaged in a lot of practices of darkness and I had seasons away from God. And I let me tell you something, I know y'all can do this with me. I can look back and I can still see the ripples from my disobedience in my life. It, it's still a door that I am closing on the enemy, sometimes daily, sometimes monthly, you know, but every so often I I, I run back into a kingdom of darkness, actual beings that don't want me to get to my destiny in Christ, and I'm still having to close those doors that were made in my disobedience in decades ago. Anybody else experience this? These are doors, it's our responsibility if we want our full inheritance to close those doors, but it's... Sin has consequences, and grace says God's not going to fail. Sometimes as Christians, we do a great job of writing off. Disobedience is a devastating thing. Okay. And I'm telling you that because I want you to go to verse... Oh, I can't do it. I can't skip. Go to verse 26... (laughs) and it says but Samuel said to Saul I will not return with you for you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel and Samuel turned around to go away Saul's now listen to this Saul seized, seized the edge of his robe and tore it so Samuel said to him the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who's better than you that's really harsh words isn't it when I, re- I had to spend like 20 minutes just right there. I'm like, oh, like took the breath out of me. And the reason I'm, I, I had to go on, verse 29 says, and also, now listen to this, the strength of Israel will not lie, that's like lie down, nor relent, for he's not a man that he should relent. In other words, speaking of God, God is not a man that he should relent. He's not going to change his plans. His plans are not going to be thwarted. Do you know why that's a good word? In other words, he's not a God, he's not a God who is restrained by how he can love you. His plans are secure. You know that? He's very capable. He's, Jesus is the most capable person I know. <laughs> he's very good at what he does. He's way better at his job than I am. But this just said that his plans are, are secure. They're not in question. I, I hope that that's freeing. In other words, everything that the Lord does with you, over you, for you, is for his love for you. That's it. It's, it's for your destiny as his child, as his beloved, as his bride, because he's nuts over you like that. It's not because he needs it for his plans. (laughs) Okay, let me just see if there's one more thing i got to grab. And we'll wrap up. You know, the last thing I'll just tell you is um, the way the story ends... Um, Samuel says, bring me Agag, the king, the leader of what they were supposed to utterly destroy. He says, bring him here. And he hacks him into pieces. He says, not only will I obey, but I have such a violence for the love of the Lord and for the plans of his kingdom and want to have such a participation in it that he's, the kingdom of God is taken by forceful men. Forceful obedience, Violent obedience. What you see Samuel do—the heart that values and hangs himself on every word of the Lord—and understand. When I say word of the Lord, obviously I value these words greatly, but the most valuable words are the words that God speaks to you. He'll use—he'll use this to do it, but he'll also just speak to you, and those are your words. And lots of deception and darkness is going gonna, is gonna to make you think, well, if I could just do part of it, but I want to tell you just part of it, this is a man who hangs himself on every word of the Lord that's spoken to him. But the most important thing you have to hear this morning, I've heard lots of messages on obedience and sin and the devastation of sin. I believe sin is devastating. Okay, I'm not saying that it's not. Don't you be hearing that. But it is not, sin is not as devastating as the love of the Lord over you is great. (laughs) Do you hear that? Jesus did take care of it. And And I, It's so important that you leave here this morning that that the word that you heard is that you're destined to reign with him. And obedience is the fruit of a heart. Obedience is the vehicle that will press you into becoming one who gets your entire inheritance, even in this age. I believe he's calling us to do it in this age. We're called to live a physical picture, kind of like we're we're reading. He's going to accomplish it. You're going to be like him when you see him as he is. The Word of God says that. So take a deep breath. Rest. (laughs) Because he's going to succeed. Period. You're going to be perfected when you see him as he is. In other words, when you see him completely, you're going to be like him. Period. That's what the Word of God says. And in this age, you get the privilege of walking out a physical picture of the inheritance coming into all the power and authority of your destiny. Disobedience will lead you out of it and end things that you're supposed to reign over and have power over. Obedience makes your authority come from where you're seated, at the right hand of the throne. Amen? You guys are really intense. I was intense, huh? Does it make you feel more loved? Does it make you tremble? <laughs> it wasn't my goal to make you tremble. Um, I recommend, now that you've heard this, because I did have to skip over things, um, go and read that chapter. Just go and read that chapter. Spend some time with it. Because it's, it's amazing how it will pop off the page and you will see that it is the story of your life. Um. Can I pray for you? Okay, I'm going to do that. And let me just say before I start praying, we are, we're going to pull some ministers up here. As soon as I'm finished praying, y'all are dismissed. God bless you. Have a great, great week, great day. Um, if this stirred up things for you and you would like a minister to lay hands and pray, perhaps repentance over disobedience that he's brought to your heart or whatever it may be, we're going to have ministers up here. Um, that, are, that are trained, that are ready to, um, to be the Lord for you in that way, to be his presence in that way. Father, I thank you that you have uh, called us, that we're chosen, that we're chosen to be the place of your victory, that, that you are going to use us to advance your kingdom. And, and I ask that you would grant us a holy violence, to root out, to to obey every command of yours, the commands that are for our blessing. And I ask you to give us just a forcefulness in our spirit. Grant us the Holy Spirit in force so that we're rooting out disobedience. In fact, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come now, and I'm going to give you a minute just to listen, okay? Just listen to the Holy Spirit, and if... This is what we're asking for. Holy Spirit, will you show us a place where the sheep are bleeding or there's the low of oxen or there's a smell. In other words, there's some physical manifestation of what the Lord wants you to utterly destroy out of your life. And, we've, and you have become unaware of that physical manifestation of it. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal that to individuals right now. Thank you, Jesus. And the word of God says that you've been given all the weapons of warfare to go take care of it. You know, the sheep and the oxen were right there. They could have just walked right over and slaughtered. them. And whatever the Lord just revealed to you, it's not out of your control in the sense that the Lord, the kingdom of God is upon you. The Lord is so available to utterly destroy that with you. So I would just encourage you, have a conversation over the next couple of days, the next week. Have a conversation with the Lord and ask him to help you. Ask him to reveal to you how you utterly destroy that out of your life, releasing how it's been hindering your destiny. Is that okay? Is that a good word? Okay. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.